0: i like to mix it up you know I'm, I'm pretty bad at having the same routine over and over again like going to the gym every day is just so boring to me i like to really make sure that you know we're keeping it yeah just spontaneous and, and fun and just what playing a sport a different sport table tennis um frisbee i don't know it doesn't really matter as long as i'm doing something that i'm enjoying then it definitely makes the workouts a lot easier From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we chat to
1: amazing humans about all aspects of health and well-being so that you can live a happier and healthier life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gabilagin. That gym hater. Okay, maybe hater is too strong of a word. Who you just heard from is seven-time world champion surfer Stephanie Gilmore. Look, it's no wonder she finds the gym boring when, before her chat with our commissioning editor Alex Davies, Steph was in Texas and had just gotten back from a a 6am session practising aerial manoeuvres at a wave pool. And that's the thing about Steph, she never wants to stop learning, improving and having fun on her board. In this chat, Steph opens up about chasing that record 8th world title, her well-being non-negotiables, what we can all do to look after the ocean, and the magic of your discomfort zone.
2: Steph Gilmore. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you for having me. How are you going? So I think, are you in Texas at the moment? Is that right?
0: Yes, I'm in Waco, Texas. And um, I've come out here, there's a, a really cool wave pool out here that has been really popular with surfers who are trying to learn how to do aerials or get better at aerials. And, you know, in the ocean, it's hard to get the same wave twice. I mean, it's impossible. So to try and repeat or to try and practice a maneuver over and over again can be quite difficult. Mm. So that's why um, wave pool technology has been really good for for surfers to come and and learn how to yeah just you know work on maneuvers that they might not get the chance to do in the ocean. Yeah, I'm here with my friend Sierra Kerr and and her family. And Sierra is this young up and coming superstar of the sport, and she yeah she's so good at aerials. It's like blowing my mind. So I'm um, I'm learning from her. She's like. Fourteen years old, or something. So, <laughs> so how's it been? <laughs> have you been humbling. on the water already? Like, have you been kind of practicing already? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, last night we had a, a late night session. The pool's open till like midnight, so we surfed from ten till like eleven thirty, and then uh, yeah, this morning we we're up and we we're in the water first. We were six a.m. till seven a.m., so just a, an hour is a good amount of time to kind of um, you know you are catching lots of waves and you are getting a bit of a rhythm, and so that's good. And now we just kind of hang out because the pool is very popular. And it's basically booked out all year long with people who, you know, there's plenty of surfers in Texas who, you know, they they live out here and they still get to go surfing at, at the Wavefall, which is really cool.
2: You were saying about it being really busy and I was just thinking, do you feel like it's got, that kind of thing will have got busier since the Olympics? Do you feel like all these new people have been exposed to surfing? Do you feel that and that popularity or?
0: I'm not sure. Um, Yeah. Maybe in locations, you know, new, new locations around the world where maybe it wasn't that popular before, but yeah, surfing has been very popular for quite a long time already. And yeah, I'm not sure surfing is still, it's, it's quite hard to access, you know, you need to know how to swim. You need to, you sort of learn how to read the ocean and, and get the equipment right. And it's quite a you know, a tough sport to just kind of say, oh, I just want to try surfing unless you live near the coast. So wave pools will definitely open up a new accessibility for that audience that may have come from the Olympics and and places where, yeah, they're in the middle of a landlocked country and but they might get the chance to go for a surf because I saw there's a new wave pool in uh, Switzerland by the the Swiss Alps and there's like... Oh, wow. Yeah, there's wave pools popping up everywhere. So um, it's not the magical authentic experience of surfing in the ocean but it's you know it's a great great place for people to try it and and not feel like they'll you know get in trouble because the ocean is a very unpredictable um, and and wild place to be so i remember
2: my parents as so i live in the uk but my parents on the back of the olympics they hadn't watched much surfing and they were texting me and my partner to be like right how is this scored what are we yeah. doing like re- they got so so into it. and i think everything from surfing to skateboarding all these debut sports made such a such a splash with everyone I think Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah I think a lot of the I mean I have a few younger friends who weren't really listening or watching anything to do with the Olympics until this year because a lot of the the athletes that they follow on social media which are the surfers and skateboarders were all posting about the Olympics so they were kind of getting introduced to it through yeah the social media world and sort of learning about it like that which it was nice to know how much the Olympics really benefited from introducing these new action sports. And, and of course, for us it, it definitely showed what we do to a, a grander audience that may have never even seen surfing before in their lives. So it's really cool.
2: Yeah, I was going to see ask you about, about Tokyo and it was such an exciting time, especially with surfing making its debut there. You know, how was the experience for you, you know, being there the first Olympics? Do you have any moments that really stand out for you that were just like, "Whoa, like I can't believe we're
0: here"? I loved all of it. I mean, just landing in the airport, and of course, the the Japanese are so so great at logistics and making sure everything is run on time and and to perfection. And so, from the moment of landing in the airport and getting, you know, sent through all of the the COVID protocols, and and then making it out to where we were staying, which is about an hour outside of the Olympic Village because we were out at the beach at Chiba. It was obviously quite a shame not to have all the fans there, but I'd say my favourite moment was being able to go up into the main athlete village and spend the afternoon there before we went to the opening ceremony. You know, it's sort of like a three or four hour process where all of the teams, all the countries line up together and you kind of march through in alphabetical order. And that was a really special time where everyone is just like, yeah, you're meeting new athletes. You're talking to people that that you know they're so um, successful in their sport, but you've never even heard of them before. And and just to learn what their stories are and where they come from, and to hear how they got there to to try and achieve their dreams and goals, it was like a, a really inspiring, you know, experience to be there and realize like, wow, there's so many talented, incredible human beings out there that are chasing after their dreams and goals that that may go unnoticed, but you know, to be there in the Olympics and surrounded by it everywhere was like, well, this is, this is like the pinnacle of, of sports. And yeah, to be a part of it was the coolest thing ever. It was a bummer. I didn't get a a great result. You know, I really wanted to bring home a medal, of course, but yeah, it was an amazing experience. And
2: next time. (laughs) Exactly.
0: There's only three years until the next one. So (laughs) that's kind of (laughs) good.
2: And obviously you mentioned you've been up pretty bright and early this morning. And I think it's about 10ish or so for you now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to know if you have a morning routine in any sort of way or any sort of morning non-negotiables, I guess, and whether you could share some with me.
0: I think the main morning non-negotiable is just to wake up and drink a big glass of really good water, you know, some, some water that it's not out of the tap, but it's like a good, you know, alkaline or, you know, some water just with some good lemon in it. And just to make sure that you're rehydrating your body first thing in the morning, I think is really important. And um, I think it's important to what I try to do is to not look at my phone for at least like an hour when I first wake up in the morning, even if you're just laying there in your bed, just to like, you know, think about things and and sort of set your intentions for the day and maybe even think about some goals that you want to, said or your dream maybe think about what you dreamt about the night before or just try and have that time in the morning to to just be with yourself and not switch onto an electronic device and and be taking in information yeah and and just feel good like you know have a a really positive projection for the morning to think like cool I've woken up today and I've got a a great opportunity to do something great today so let's make the most of it and then (laughs) First thing, of course, is to check the surf.
2: (laughs) I was going to say, do you usually try and get out there early on or is it just a case of checking it early on to plan the day?
0: Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, nowadays you can check the surf from your telephone as well, but it's really like, that's what's so cool about being a surfer. You're always paying attention to the elements. Like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, it's kind of, it's the wind's up already or there's a, a chill to it. So or maybe it's stormy and you can kind of, you, you just, yeah, you're paying attention to the elements because you know that that's going to have an effect on the waves. And um, it's a really nice relationship for a human being to have, I think, to to really feel connected to to the elements like that because it's an important part of our world, obviously, and something that as human beings we should, I don't know, feel like we're, um, that we're connected to it. I think it's important for our health.
2: Yeah, because I know you've been in the ocean, essentially, since you were a kid, like since you were so little, and describe that relationship with the water, you know, I guess, what is it? What does it mean for you? You know, what kind of emotions do you feel when you're out in the water for, you know, whether it's competing or otherwise? And how does that kind of, what does that bring to your life, I guess?
0: Mm, It brings so much, so much joy and, and, you know, makes you feel alive. It's one of those experiences where, it's really humbling because you're in the ocean, which is probably the most powerful element on the planet. Like one big wave could just wipe us all out in one hit, but we're out there playing in these waves. And when I think about surfing, it it really was my very first love. You know, it was the first thing that I remember being completely consumed by, like, it's what you think about in the morning, when you go to sleep, you're just like, Oh, what's it going to be like tomorrow? You're always wondering what the ocean is doing. And so it's a, when you're out there it just yeah just the sun on your skin and the the salt water on your skin it feels so good and and then also all the other little things like the wildlife encounters you know you're always seeing dolphins and, and then there's also like the feeling or to have that little bit of fear about maybe there's sharks or you know the seals the birds you're constantly thinking about all of the ecosystem that's happening out there in the in the ocean and you constantly well I'm constantly in a state of respect you know I want to respect that this is their home and and I'm just playing in it but um, but yeah it really is a rejuvenating and, and joyful feeling.
2: I was going to ask actually about fear I mean you know you're so experienced and you're so successful but do you still get scared sometimes when you go out into the waves and I guess is that something maybe you can harness in a way?
0: Yes, of course. Um, yeah, there's places like Hawaii where the waves are huge and powerful and there's shallow reef and it's definitely scary. But, you know, fear is, fear is what keeps us alive, number one. So, yeah, it's about harnessing it or uh, trying to push yourself into these zones where it's like if you're about to, to do something, if it doesn't scare you, then it probably won't – you won't grow from it. You know, you won't actually learn anything because you if you're not scared, then you probably have already done it before. And and so they're really the the magical moments where yeah, you, you have a bit of fear but you're willing to to push yourself anyway and to give it a try, that's where you learn the most about yourself. Yeah. And then when
2: you do, I guess, accomplish that goal or whatever it may be, that makes it even sweeter.
0: Exactly. Once you yeah, you just setting small goals, like maybe paddling out at a wave where you've always been fearful and then just saying, okay, it's a lot bigger than I've ever been out in, but I'm going to try it today. And maybe you didn't have such great success on the first time, but then you tried it again and you got a little bit deeper or you took off on a a steeper wave or a bigger wave. And and each time you come in and, and that's really where the most progress is made. As a professional athlete, that's really what you're looking for the most in anything because the trophies and the wins are awesome, but achieving those little goals along the way is to me the most fulfilling part
2: and then it's been a few weeks a couple of weeks or so now I think since the WSL finals in California um I wondered how you're feeling and how these past few weeks have been for you
0: yeah so I had um I had grand dreams this year of winning gold medals and world titles and (laughs) it was uh things didn't really go to plan but you know Uh, nothing in life ever really goes planned. But yeah, it was an amazing um, day of of surfing. And uh, I was the first heat of the morning. So it was kind of like, it was the unknown. It was a whole new format of running the world title. And and I'd never done that before. And I would say it was, yeah, my greatest challenge in my career. And and I didn't rise to the occasion. I wasn't able to, to get that result or to put on that performance that I'd really hoped for. So if anything, I walked away, um, in fifth place with, uh, I, I don't know. I, I actually felt like I learned a lot. It was a really positive outcome in the sense that I was like, Whoa, I have so much to work on. Like if I want to be an eight-time world champion, then I really have so much more to work on. And it, it, yeah, it made me walk away from the event thinking, okay, what's the plan? Where am I going to go? How am I going to work on these things? What are the waves that I need to surf more? You know, my equipment, like, all these sorts of little things where if you're winning all the time, it's kind of you forget about that stuff because you're like, yeah, it's too easy. But um but yeah, it was really nice to kind of experience that and and uh remind myself how much I hate losing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Put but, that uh, extra fire, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: There's nothing more motivating for um Yeah, than a loss. But uh it was great to see I mean, I think the right winners won that day, Carissa Chris Moore and, and Gabriel Medina, they had such stellar seasons and so it would have been weird had they not won the world title on those days but it worked out pretty good and, and it was it was cool to be a spectator of on the end of the day. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> I, next time. I
2: really um, was thinking about uh, not long after that you posted this Instagram picture of you and Carissa Moore, which was taken, I think, in Mexico mm-hmm. after the event there was done. And you'd just been out for a surf together. And I've just got it written here. But in the caption you wrote, we were just doing what we love to do the most, going surfing with friends, that it was your favourite moment of the year. And I just love that because I felt like so many of us can get caught up in the day-to-day and the to-do list and we sometimes lose touch, I guess, with maybe what it is that we love about what we do or our mm-hmm. passions. And for you, how do you keep tuning in to that love for surfing and for what you do?
0: I mean, surfing is easy because it is such a wonderful, fun thing to do. Yeah, I, I've always felt that, having a balance in life is the most important thing like having a balance between you know applying yourself and committing to working really hard to to achieve these goals but to also make sure that yeah you do stop and smell the roses that you do actually have you stop and 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 make sure that your perspective has a lot of gratitude for what you're doing and the opportunities that you're given and yeah just to to be thankful for all those moments because you know nobody really knows how long you've got or when it ends or anything like that so it's i think it's so important for everybody to really yeah to cl- count their blessings and and to yeah just to to take it all in when they can and and um it's sort of i feel like it makes all the success so much sweeter too because it's it's like, okay, the, yeah, like I said before, the trophies are wonderful and all, but the things that I really remember the most are those in-between moments where I'm with, you know, great people, I'm surfing great waves and we're, we're adventuring around the world together. And that, that truly is like the story time that everyone wants to hear about. It's not really the, the trophies, but more like how you got there and what happened along the way and what happened after it and, and all that sort of stuff. I love the
2: idea of you guys out there just these champs having fun together in the waves and stuff and so that must be pretty e- epic to witness but that morning was really guys. special yeah.
0: like we we actually we woke up um because it was the morning after the event finished and so I was like you know a little bit hungover and um celebrating yeah I'd I'd drunk a little bit of tequila the night before <laughs> and of course and then um Yeah, the next morning, my boyfriend and and a good friend of mine who was working on the event, they were like, "Come on, we got to get up early and and surf. The waves are going to be really fun." And I was like, "Oh, I just want to sleep in. Like, you know, we've done so many early mornings leading up, and I just want to sleep in." They're like, "No, like you have to come." So I woke up early and we went up to the buses, the shuttle buses that were taking us to the contest site. And there was Carissa and her husband and uh, her coach. And they were all in there and I was like, oh, my gosh, is probably like, you know, she doesn't want to see me right now. She's she's probably pissed off because I beat her the day before. But we all get in the bus, we're all like half asleep and we're driving along and then there's one section, it's like the end part of the road as you go up over this hill and you see the surf break at the top of this hill and the sun had just peaked its head over the horizon and we were at the top of the hill and this perfect set rolled in. And we were, like, screaming in the car. All of us were freaking out. just we going, oh, my God, because there was also nobody out. So it was just the ultimate feeling as a surfer to drive over the hill, like the anticipation of, like, what is it going to be like? And we drove up over this hill. The sun was just coming up. It was perfect, clean waves, nobody around. And, I, I mean, all of us had just kept saying to each other, like, this is what we live for this is why we do this and this this is living you know where this is as good as it gets so that was definitely one of the most memorable moments I'd say of my entire career on tour of spending time with with these other girls so yeah it was really special to share that with Carissa and then we went out and surfed and had a good time and we were trying to take some photos on the beach before we paddled out, but yeah, we were all in a hurry because we're like, the waves are so good. Best way <laughs> I'm to shake off a hangover as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: I was wondering, obviously, you've spoken a bit about gratitude and um, reflection and goal setting and things. And I wondered if you have any sort of mindset strategies, I guess, that, a part of your training and a part of your life. And um, because I think, you know, we're realizing that the mental is so much as important as the physical. And I know last time we spoke, you spoke to me about breath work and things like that. And I wondered if you could tell me a bit about what you do for your mindset, really.
0: When you're uh, visualizing what you want to do or trying to like manifest what you're trying to do, I've always found it great and useful to have a couple of words or like a mantra that it kind of like activates my intentions it it kicks me into a gear and if you you know if you repeat them to yourself they sort of they become like breathing and like breathing is easy we do it all, all day long and we don't even think about it so to kind of set great intentions and and to be able to visualize what you want to do a lot of the time that means you've already been there so when that opportunity comes around again it's it's comfortable it's easy because you've actually already done it in your mind and and so um so yeah, for me that that's really just visualizing what I want to do and and breathing and and sort of repeating like a couple of words, positive words to myself, then um that really helps me kick into a gear and to go out there and and compete or it can be anything in life, you know, like the other day I got pulled into secondary uh US customs and they sat me in this secondary room for 6 hours because they, you know, thought that my visa was wrong or something and oh, wow. and I literally sat there for 6 hours and I was like, oh, I you know, I was stressed about it, but I went back to yeah, just taking some breaths and realizing that hey, this is out of my control. So, I'm just going to sit here and and do the best that I can to to stay calm and and then everything worked out all right. But yeah, I think it's it's not just athletes and sports that can use these techniques. You know, it's, it's for everyone in any part of their life and, and any part of the day that can find using like repeated mantras really helpful.
2: And then what about the training and the physical side of things? So what is a typical day or perhaps a week look like for you in terms of your workouts and your fitness?
0: At the moment, because I'm in California so much, I like to hike. Like we go up these sort of um, canyons and you just hike up. And I, I really like walking. Like I, I, I think walking is great for the body. It's great for your posture. And I just think human beings were were made to, to walk. And, and so I think it's really good for you. And, and then um, and then to mix that back in with just kind of like a little – I've been doing just these like little uh, cross training. That it's like circuit training where you do like 30 seconds on – 10 seconds off and for 10 minutes you sort of just keep that going and that's one set is 10 seconds and uh, sorry 10 minutes and then take a breather and then do that again and and I just think yeah like to just get your heart rate up for 20 minutes doesn't matter what you're doing you could put on your favorite playlist and dance around your house for 10 minutes but as long as you're just moving your body and, and that kind of thing then that's that's really my favorite type of workout but um but yeah, I'm sure as we're heading closer into the start of the season in Hawaii, I'll get much more into swimming and like breath hold training and and uh, making sure that yeah, when I'm getting held under those big waves, <laughs> I'm feeling really comfortable.
2: How does it work with the breath hold training? Do you do you have to have someone to help you with that, or do you is it literally a case if you hold yourself underwater? Or
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I've, I work with a guy in Australia, Nam Baldwin, where um, we'll go to like a, a deep pull and yeah you kind of like get your heart rate up and then you dive to the bottom and then he'll kind of like hold you down the bottom or wrestle you around and and trying to like reenact I guess a wipe out in a wave but I'm also now I'm in California and I used to do it a lot but I'm I'm just ran into Laird and and Gabby Reese Led Hamilton and Gabby Reese and and I used to train up at their house so I'm going to get back into that but they do lots of it's like weights underwater so they're kind of like Crawling along the bottom of the pool, like dragging themselves along with weights or trying to push up through the water from like a squatting position at the bottom of the pool. And they're pushing up to the top to get a breath before you float back down. And, and, um, it's really incredible to feel like that strength and that comfort in a body of water. And for surfing, that's, that's crucial. So that's pretty much what I'm looking at. But that's cool. Yeah. It, I like take, to mix it up it, you know yeah. i'm I'm pretty bad at having the same routine over and over again like going to the gym every day is just so boring to me I like to really make sure that you know we're keeping it yeah just spontaneous and and fun and just what playing a sport a different sport table tennis um, frisbee I don't know it doesn't really matter as long as I'm doing something that I'm enjoying then it definitely makes the workouts a lot easier that's probably a really good
2: Attitude to have as well, especially when you're traveling so much, because the predictability—you must have to be so flexible anyway with the traveling schedule. That yeah, that kind of you know ability to adapt and just find whatever is nearest to almost make a workout out of it must be really good.
0: Definitely, yeah, and especially now you know we're in times where we're spending two weeks in quarantine for hotels and stuff. It's like okay, you need to get creative. Um, but yeah, I think it's important for us. Because we travel so much, it's important to be able to, to be flexible and and to not be stressed if you don't have all the access to the things that you normally do every single day, you know. I think it's, it's important to be able to make do with what you have and, yeah, try some new stuff all the time.
2: Oh, God, when you were saying about um, going with the weights along – the bottom yeah. of the pool it like gives me flashbacks which is like it's my like dorky surf reference to blue, uh, blue crush when she's doing that along the yeah, sea with to, the rock yeah that's mm-hmm. it to train I was like oh surfing reference that's the one I could do yeah
0: oh <laughs> well, yeah the, I mean the way uh Laird Hamilton and, and Gabby his wife the way they do it is kind of yeah it's like the chlorine version of that but instead of rocks you're actually using like dumbbells underwater um <laughs> so yeah that's good
2: Blue Crush fan yay, yay yeah 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 I are. love
0: Blue Crush oh good. so cool <laughs> I still think it might be the best surf you know Hollywood depiction of surf so far yes um, yeah Kate Bosworth she's a legend it makes me want to so, go
2: and watch it again right what <laughs> I love about it though
0: was that they used a lot of the professional female surfers at the time you know they they used Kate Scarrett and Kiala Kennelly and Megan Abubo, I think Coco Ho even had a little cameo and and i just loved that they wanted to really incorporate you know the the real life professional surfers and the women who were out there actually charging pipeline and stuff like that so it was cool
2: yeah and then you mentioned obviously being really conscious of the uh, of the ecosystem and things when you're and the animals and things when you're out in the sea and i remember when i spoke to you before you said it's you know you're a huge advocate for sustainability in the environment and i remember you saying that it's hard not to be really when you're traveling around the world and seeing the oceans, seeing the beaches and seeing the changes over time. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a bit about that and, you know, what you would love to see happen or change?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I just did a a second trip to Mexico. I I went back because I saw some swell and wanted to go surfing again. And um, I really took notice this time around of how, like, from the first trip that I did to this particular location, which was probably 10 years ago, to coming back to that same beach, you know, last week and and just seeing how much more single-use plastic trash was just lining the shore of every surf spot and, you know, it's it's wild just all of the stuff that people use day to day and they don't even really think about where, you know, how it's made, what products are used to make it when it's you know shipped to where you buy it and then what happened to it when you throw it out you know it's sort of I don't think people really stop and take the time to think about the entire lifespan of say a a lighter or a toothbrush or a q-tip it's like we use these products every single day and we're not actually stopping and realizing that oh whoa this where does this go what happens to all this like what is landfill? Is it just continually getting bigger and bigger? Like when does it ever stop? And and it's um, I think it's really important for everyone to just, yeah, to, to think about it and ask yourself those questions and ask your friends questions about like, oh, you know, hey, I, I swapped. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot more like uh, refillable home soaps, hand soaps and cleaning products and things now where you can actually, you buy like the... The packaging and then they send you a refill every month and you can send that refill back and then they refill that and you know just to kind of eliminate this linear life of of a product and sort of make more of a circular solution to all of the the stuff that we consume and you know obviously no one's perfect and and it's important to to just do the best with what you can but um but there's so many wonderful products out there now, like even like using cutlery from stores and they're made out of like avocado seeds or corn or potato starch. It's, it's, I think we're in an amazing time right now where sustainability was just a trend, but it's not just a trend anymore. And I think that's one of my favorite things about the fashion industry is that everyone seems to really want to be moving in this direction. You know, it's, Roxy are really working on making sure their swimwear are made from um, recycled plastic bottles that are pulled from the ocean or, you know, they're made from like fishing nets and just trash that's been pulled out of the ocean and it's been turned back into a, a usable material. Yeah, there's there's so many wonderful techniques that, that people are researching and getting into and, and I that's my favourite trend that's ever happened in the world yeah. because, yeah, we, we've got a lot of work to do for sure and I, I don't know if anyone as the answer to how we can clean up the ocean. But if we can consume less and reuse a lot more of what we do and, and be conscious of, of, you know, what we use every day, then I think that we can definitely make a difference for sure.
2: Yeah. I'd love to know. So I read this quote, if you don't mind me reading it back to you that in the guardian recently, that Lane Beachley said about you, you might've heard this already, but when she called you her inspiration, um, And she said, Steph is the only surfer I know who exudes sheer joy when she paddles into a wave. She's so passionate and driven and fierce, but she does it with immense grace, beauty and style, both in and out of the water. She's my inspiration in so many ways. Sometimes if I'm able to seek that inspiration in my own life, I use her to inspire me to detach from struggle mode and enjoy all that life has to offer. And I was thinking you and Lane are just, you know, both regarded as the Best female surfers of all time and I mm. wondered what hearing something like that from someone like her means to you
0: yeah that's really special I, I hadn't heard that quote before um yeah Lane Lane and I have had very different life paths and we, we've definitely you know our characters are very different you know especially in in how we've sort of climbed up the ladder to our successes but but you know I think at the end of the day that's we both admire each other so much because yeah we understand what it takes to to win multiple world titles and and the the drive and the de- determination and all that sort of stuff that it takes to to get there and do that but you know it's funny because I, I I mean Lane sort of said it in her quote I'm always like so happy and everything will be fine and you know stuff like that and which is which, it's great and all but I admire Lane so much because she had to overcome so much, so much hardship and so much struggle in her personal life to be able to, to reach those goals. And, and that's a, a, you know, completely different type of motivation than, than what I've ever had to deal with in my life. So um, yeah. And, and she's such a leader in that sense. You know, I, I think that, and I haven't quite felt like that in my career just yet. I mean, I know it's, it's important to, to be a leader and stuff, but I don't, focus on it too much whereas I know Lane was so passionate about making the sport better for everybody else that was coming through and for all of the the young girls and the new generations and and that you know to me to see her in working with the governing body of the sport to say like hey the women deserve better and we need you know we want equality and we, we want better waves and we want more priority when it comes to conditions and stuff like that yeah, it, the more I learn about the hard work that somebody like Lane has done, the more I realize that, yeah, she's a true leader. And that's something that, um, I don't feel comes naturally to me, but you know, I learned so much from her in, in that respect. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm, you know, I'm, it's such an honor to share seven world titles with her and, and to sit on that, that level with her, but you know, I, she's equally as competitive as I am, I'm sure. So <laughs> she, I'm, I know she knows I want to go for eight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I'm sure yeah. she'd be the per- first person cheering
0: you on, I reckon. Yeah, and but you she's know, a legend. She's truly like an Aussie icon.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, you both are because I know, I think you played a big role from what I understand in the advocating for equal pay in the sport mm-hmm. and even the way you talk about, you know, up-and-coming surfers and things like that, you know, that that championing for the next generation is clearly something you're passionate about it's always been
0: important to me to to leave a legacy that is you know more my more about like how admirable my character was and how I kind of achieved my successes and how I made people feel when they were in my presence as opposed to like how many world titles I've won I think that's always been more important to me so yeah it's it's uh I don't know. I think that's why I like to, um, obviously, you know, I want young, young female surfers and male surfers who, uh, look up to me. They, they sort of see someone who just truly loved what they did and, and really, you know, appreciated and had so much gratitude for the opportunities that they got in their life. And, and, uh, but yeah, we're, but someone who was also unafraid to, to try and have as much success as they could and, and, um, yeah, and try and Make great changes within their sport, positive changes within their sport and and that sort of thing, but to to be authentic along the way to to be true to themselves, I think that's really the most important thing that I want people to to learn in themselves and inspire that in them yeah,
2: and then you mentioned your relationship with your work with Roxy, and this podcast episode I think comes out just after the launch of your new collection with them cool. can you What can you tell me about the new drop and the creation of it i've seen some shots and campaign images and it's absolutely brilliant yeah do you have a favorite piece yeah talk us through
0: (laughs) yeah this new collection it's it's um it's really fun I think the main inspiration was my sister and I Whitney um we have a an old Roxy book it's called Surf Girl and it's kind of like the history of Roxy from the beginning um you know in the ninety late 90s and then all the way up until um probably like the late 2000s and sorry mid 2000s and it's really like the imagery is just cool it's like these badass surfer girls who like you know they could have been sun baking on the beach to to impress the guys but they were like no nah, I'm gonna get the skateboard I'm gonna steal my boyfriend's board I'm gonna steal his board shorts and I'm gonna go surfing and I'm gonna find my gang of girlfriends and and we're just gonna take over the streets of Honolulu and and I just yeah, it really exudes so much, just like the spirit of what female surfing is to me. And I, I, so we, you know, we basically looked at all of the the outfits and the swimwear and the designs and the colors and the way everything was photographed in this book, and we're like, we really want to try and recreate this. So um, yeah, the the early images of Roxy in the '90s was shot by like Jeff Hornbaker, Sonny Miller, a lot of these iconic surf photographers who. They were shooting on film as well, so it has that softness to it. It's kind of like a timelessness that, yeah, I, I really wanted to create a collection that, yeah, it could live on forever. So, yeah, we kind of thought let's get a, a really rad photographer, and I, I love Terence Connors, and he's one of my favourite photographers and he shoots on film. So we went to Malibu and and Terrence basically came out for a couple of days and just hung out with me like i changed into each different outfit and and we just went surfing we hung out at the beach we just went to along malibu pier and and shot a bunch of really fun photos where you know i wanted him to to feel like he was literally just my best mate and we we're hanging out for the day and and that's what those those photos um sort of exude that freedom and and uh yeah, just joy and freedom. Like that's when you're at the beach, that's what most people feel. So the collection has got lots of bright yellows, oranges, blues, and, and it's, um, it's very beachy. I've got some cool yellow cord pants. I think my favorite stuff is the bikini, which is a um, just a string bikini and it has a like a royal blue and a hot coral orange color and it's a hibiscus print so it's just the two colors and that in the bikini looks really good it's kind of like a terry toweling material as well I don't know it's like a it's a nice material and then it's also this like uh, long sleeve one piece bikini bottom like surf suit that's what I'm gonna call it but that I just wore it all in Mexico and, yeah, it looks really good in the surf and it's great for sun protection. Um, So, yeah, they might be my favourite pieces. Actually, no, the bucket hat, I really love the bucket (laughs) hat. It's the terry-toweling. And also the shoes, it has these, like, we got these really funky slides, so they're terry-toweling. They're like a rubber bottom and then a terry-toweling top of the slide and they come in blue and the other one's orange. They look rad. Just so. so nice,
2: and the bucket hat. And I was saying the yellow yeah. jumper, I really love as well. Oh, I the yellow it, the jumper, the kind yeah,
0: of lemony yellow, like it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So. Like oversized sweater, yeah. It's I know. A good vibe. I really <laughs> love all of it. The the stripy stuff too, like the full stripy top with the long pants. That looks really funky, and um, <laughs> yeah, I hope everyone really likes it. But you'll definitely see me wearing it a lot. So
2: <laughs> yeah, awesome. And then I know music and playing the guitar are other great passions kind of for you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not surfing, are you likely to be listening to or playing some tunes? And...
0: Definitely. I deep down think I'm, you know, a rock star, but I'm not a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoy playing the guitar. I learnt to play around the same time that I started surfing, so I was around 10 years old. And um, I never had uh, official lessons or anything, but... I just over time and through my travels have found guitars along the way that I really like. And, and, um, yeah, now obviously with YouTube and different things, you're able to learn any song you want. Like, it's insane to me how much people dedicate their time to breaking down a song, how to play it, you know, doing it in fast motion, slow motion, every type of way, and then uploading it for free just so people can learn how to play a song. Like, it's, it's really cool. But, uh, yeah at the moment what am I playing I don't know I'm a sucker for like the 70s rock and roll you know I'm always trying to play Led Zeppelin and and uh you know Black Sabbath and I just I love that sort of heavier guitar stuff but but yeah I'm I don't know I'm a big fan of of all types of music I'm in Texas at the moment I'm not a big fan of country okay so yeah unfortunately (laughs) i was gonna say go chasing (laughs) your other dream in texas yeah (laughs) but yeah i I just love learning you know playing music is also another creative outlet similar to surfing and i think that's that's why they they really go hand in hand in that sense
2: well you mentioned about being a rock star and oh or not being one but i know you've played on stage am i getting this right with two of the foo fighters is that right
0: (laughs) yeah 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 we um Yep. I've actually, I'm kind of like the token celebrity that, uh, if a band's in town and they want a surfer or someone to get up and play a song with them, it's either Kelly's later or myself. <laughs> we, we get that. the call up. So yeah, <laughs> Kelly and I, we played a couple of songs with Jimmy Buffett in gather once. That was pretty classic. We played like Margaritaville and, um, whatever. I think the other song was called Volcano. And then, yeah, I played with, Um, they're called Chevy Metal and it's Taylor Hawkins. He's the drummer from Foo Fighters and that's like his second band. So um, we played some Rolling Stones with them. Uh, I got to play up up on stage at a music festival in Australia with Spider Bait. That was like pretty classic. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I really, I just, I get such a kick out of like how nerve-wracking that is to stand on stage and like, Three days before I'm going to play a song with this band, I'm like practicing until my fingers are like bleeding because I'm so nervous about the whole thing and and I think these are the the moments in life that, like I was saying before, when if something scares you a bit, you should say yes to it and and, and have a go because it's like, whoa, when you step off that stage, even if you did make mistakes, like each time I got up to play guitar with these bands, I played the wrong chord here or there, you know, I messed up, but it didn't matter because I stood off, I got off the stage and I had such a good time and, and learned, you know, what to do for the next time. And, and it just made me feel so great. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to be able to get those experiences in surfing and, and sort of use that in my surf, uh, sorry, in music. And then to use that in my surfing as well.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, I totally miss. Uh, didn't think about how that would be that they'd organise that in advance. I honestly had the image of you being in the crowd at the festival and then being like, Steph Gilmore, you're here. Get the girl a guitar. Get her off of stage. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, I'm not so good at like off the cuff, but if they tell me <laughs> a couple of days prior what song they're thinking of playing, then I can do that.
2: <laughs> Everyone listening to that Kelly Slater and Steph Gilmore, your go-to <laughs> guitarist, all right for all the things. But- Thank you so so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. And nice yeah. Yeah, thanks so much. Well yeah, take care and enjoy getting those more of those aerials in.
0: <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> Keep you updated on my progress. <laughs> yeah, I'll
1: follow you on Instagram and I'll see what's going on. <laughs> thanks Thank so much. You. It's really interesting how Steph talks about how much she loves playing guitar because, coincidentally, we have an article in our current issue of Women's Health about the benefits of having a hobby. I'm talking legit health benefits. So a 2020 study by researchers at University College London found that having a hobby was associated with fewer depressive symptoms by those who suffered from depression and also reduced the risk of experiencing a depressive episode by 30%. If you're curious to find out how that works and pick up more health and fitness intel along the way, grab a copy of the latest issue of Women's Health Australia with Gabriella Brooks on the cover. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted by Alex Davies and produced by me, Lisa Lagan. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.